0: Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation! What's up? Season 8 is here and this is episode 2. Today we're going to hear an interview with Raquel Porter. Raquel is a veteran in the industry in oh so many ways. She's the decorator that decorates casinos and she's been helping other balloon decorators win their businesses with creating all sorts of tools that helps them sell balloon decor like clip arts, and trainings and menus and other things like that. I think this is going to be very inspiring. Enjoy.
1: Take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper into what truly makes a professional balloon artist with your host, Zivi Kivi. Now, welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast.
0: Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. Zivi Kivi here, and today in Season 8, we're talking with the veterans. And the veteran of today is Raquel Porter, also known as Raquel Porter. Hi, Hi, Raquel, what's up? Hi, Zivi, how are you? Good. We had the luxury of meeting at Float and in other balloon conventions, and I followed you around from afar looking at what you do over Facebook and with your balloon clip art. And so let me, first of all, take my hat off and say, thank you for all that you do for so many balloon artists all over the world, helping them just sell more balloon decor and serve their customers better. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you. And we will talk about what you do with the clip art and with the menus later on. But you're a balloon artist, first of all, a balloon decorator. Before you became also an educator. And before you became someone that actually produces a tool that is helping people sell more balloon decor. So I want to talk about your journey as a balloon artist, if you don't mind. Go ahead. You're still a balloon artist as of this day, right?
1: Oh, yes. I've been doing it for 25 years. My 25th anniversary will be July 15th, in fact.
0: Wow. We're now recording this in 2019. So 25 years as of this year. People will probably listen to this uh, for quite a few more years so they could do the math. Tell me a little bit about how you got started 25 years ago.
1: So my journey started when I was an inventory control clerk and a material manager at a Fortune 500 company. It was in the military industrial complex. And one of the things that I did on the side within the company was sell balloon bouquets to help fund our annual company picnic. That was my introduction to balloon art. And they were just simply little helium filled balloon bouquets. I took a a Mylar and three latex balloons, called it bouquets, sold it for, I don't know, $5 at the time. And then I got laid off and called my balloon supplier at the time. They were down in Southern California, crying on her shoulder. Oh no, what am I going to do? I've been laid off. I have two little kids at home. And she sent me a Qualitex Images magazine. And I'm flipping through this magazine and I see the geometry in the classic balloon decor. I see the patterns. That's what turned me on to the possibility of doing balloon decor as a business And the fact that if I was self-employed, nobody was ever going to lay me off again. So at 28 years old, I took my severance pay, went and got a helium tank, went and bought a bunch of balloons, and I jumped
0: in with both feet. And back then, it was, I guess, a little bit scary because you needed to provide some results. You had two kids. And I'm guessing that, uh, you know, by losing the day job, you had to come up with some results. What was marketing looking like back then? My
1: very first job actually was for a neighbor in the community where I lived. She was having a 40th birthday party for her husband. And I thought that I could sell the decor to her at double my material costs. (laughs) That's what I heard in the industry, right? You take your... Well, like when you're in a retail store, if you buy something for $2, you double it to cover your overhead and profit and labor and everything else because you're selling tens of thousands of whatever it is you're selling. So I went and did the job really cheaply. And afterwards, I counted up my profit and everything and realized I didn't hardly make anything. I I wasn't even making minimum wage and she wasn't happy with the design and it was just miserable. That was my very first job. And then after that... Another friend wanted some decor. So it basically started out with friends hiring me. And then I I discovered, what was it? Farmers markets. And the first farmers market I called, they asked if I was a member of their chamber. And I asked, what is a chamber? And they explained to me what a chamber of commerce was. And so that's when I started joining chambers of commerce and started getting business. And then in, so that was in 94, 95, Later on in 1995, Tim Flamis of Pioneer Balloon Company was doing a national tour kicking off the Qualitex Balloon Network. And I went to that meeting and my eyes just were opened up to how methodical and how systematic creating balloon decor could be. And that's where my strengths were. I'm not a particularly creative person. I like systems, I like processes, I like to be hyper efficient at what I do. And that's why I have been profitable since since day one that I've been in business.
0: This is really sparking my curiosity. When you say hyper-efficiency, my brain is all turned on. I want to know if you could talk with Raquel of, I don't know, 10 years ago or five years ago or 20 years ago, what type of little tips and advices about efficiency would you give her?
1: From where I am right now, looking back, the number one advice I would have given myself 10, 15 years ago would have been to let go of the challenge of trying to book 100% of the calls that were coming in. I prided myself in being able to book every job coming in without having to lower my prices. I invested time interviewing the customer and figuring out what they wanted and working out decor that was within their budget. And I was super busy. Looking back, I spent an awful lot of time on the phone with these people and wasn't making the profits that I am now. So I think that would have been, I think it was a pride issue. I mean, I was young. I was in my early 30s at the time. And I think it was more of a pride issue than anything else, a personal challenge. And that's the advice I would give myself back then.
0: Let me understand correctly. So you're basically saying, I really think uh, it's important. You're saying that your youngest self was so eager to prove that you can find some solution for your customer that doesn't involve you selling yourself short, but it does involve you customizing the package or on the decor level to the customer's budget. And because of that, you became ridiculously busy. And these days you have a way of saying no to your customer and being able to maybe pick the better customers that don't waste so much of your time. Is that right? Sort of,
1: yes. I have learned also over the last 10 years to show things on my website that I want to sell. So back in the early days, there was a lot of inexpensive decor on my website. I started out as balloon flowers and decor, and my specialty was making six petal flowers out of 160s and 260s and arranging them as a floral arrangement and selling those. And I was very successful at that. I had a, comfortable price point i felt like i was making money so that's kind of where it started so when the customers started calling up for decor i was just used to booking everything and
0: so what is the secret of is it saying no to the customers is it selling you know very specific items to them that is
1: actually the subject of one of the uh, training videos i want to put together And that is how to find your target market and how to market to them such that your marketing program is repelling the customers you don't want and attracting the customers that you do want.
0: This is really something that not everyone might understand at the the first time. And I want you to say that again, because for me, it was poetry.
1: A good marketing program repels the customers you don't want. And attracts the customers you do want. Let me give you an example of this, okay? I'm gonna give the example of two car lots. You've got one car lot that's selling Lamborghinis, and you have another car lot that is selling used cars, okay? Right there, by definition, because of price point and quality of the car, they're already attracting and repelling certain customers. If your budget is $3,000 for a vehicle, you're not going anywhere near the uh, high-end car dealership. And if you've got that kind of money to spend on a high-end sports car, you're not visiting the used car lot. So that is a very simple example of marketing, positioning your business, positioning your product to repel and attract.
0: I love it. And uh, Seth Godin, in his book, What is Marketing? He tells the story of how scammers from... Nigeria that asks people for wiring money, and if they do, they will get these seven million dollars from this rich uncle that is uh, also used to be the prime minister or something like that. Are uh, those yep. scammers that are illegal doing illegal stuff? Are actually put spelling errors inside their emails on purpose, and the reason was that everyone that replied takes two hours of their time because they keep corresponding and corresponding, and eventually they either wire them the money or they don't. But the smart people would notice the spell mistakes and will just go away. So they will not waste those two hours of the scammer. But those that don't identify spelling mistakes and grammar mistakes actually might fall for the story and continue and wire the money. So it was a conversion optimization process where they decided to repel potential bookers of the scam, right? But so these days, today, interesting story. These days, today, what are the things that you do, Raquel, to repel cheap stakes and people that are not suitable, they're not suitable as your customers?
1: It's not so much price point with me anymore. It's more uh, total markets. I don't do life cycle events at all. I don't do weddings. I don't do birthday parties. I don't do anniversaries. I don't do any of that. And I don't have those on my website. I do exclusively corporate decor. A big reason for that is I want to do five to 10 jobs a month only. And I want those jobs to be at least $500, preferably above a thousand dollars. So I'm targeting a very specific audience. And those people generally aren't finding me on the internet anyway. And a big reason why I'm doing that is four years ago, my husband fell ill with a brain tumor and my number one focus in my life is to advocate for him medically. And if I were doing balloon deliveries and, you know, all these birthday parties, and if I was super busy, I would not have time for the priority in my life. So that was a decision I made. Yes, it's cost me money, but I am, I'm still making a living. The only debt I have is my mortgage. All my vehicles are paid for. I have no credit card debt. I'm doing fine. I have the margin in my life that I need. And I love the fact that the balloon business is allowing me to make those kinds of decisions that are good for me. So once my, that chapter in my life is closed, maybe I'll start getting busy again. I don't know. But it's allowed me to make decisions that were hyper important for my family and my life.
0: Thank you so much for sharing and, and, and opening up uh, your personal situation. And i really sorry for troubles that you're going through. But I also think that there's a lot of hope in this for many people that are listening for this because we have uh, quite a community with many life stories that some of them involve some hardships that are objectively hard. And I want to notice also the fact that you've created basically lifestyle for yourself that allows you to keep your priorities intact, that allows you to get supported by the business at a level that makes sense. But at the yep. same time, some people might ask themselves, but how can you get those corporate customers? I mean, if online marketing on your site is not that important anyway for corporate customers that are looking for decor because they're not looking for you on the internet, then how can you find them?
1: Let me think. The three big clients that I have in my county, I live in, in a very small rural county. I don't think we have 300,000 people in my entire county. It's a farming community. There's two casinos and two refineries in my community, plus you know other businesses, obviously, and schools and whatnot. And the majority of my income comes in on those two casinos, and one of the refineries. And I'm trying to think, I think those three came through, the casino came through my relationship because I reached out to them. I contacted the marketing department and said, Hey, I just moved up from Seattle. I'm a balloon artist. Let's work together. So that was basically a cold call. And the second casino, they were looking for a grand opening decor. And I think they found me through the chamber and the refinery I think also found me either through the chamber or, or maybe just searching for balloons in my county. My website is keyed for, if you look for balloons in my county, I do come up. I mean, I think I'm the only one in the county anyway. Hyper, hyper targeted. And I have really strong relationships with my colleagues, my competitors down south in the Seattle area. And I get referrals from them too. Plus, I refer a lot of business to them also. It's been nurturing relationships. It's been very targeted cold calls. It's I have lettering all over my van. I have Balloon Splendor on my van. I have my local phone number. So even when I'm driving through town, I've picked up high school graduations because of the signage on my van. So that's kind of how I've nurtured it. Interesting.
0: Do you invest time in your accounts in trying to mind them, like mining the account, looking for opportunities within your three big customers, checking again and again with them? Or is it more like a relationship that is already well-established?
1: Both. They are very well-established clients. A lot of the consultations happen in text. Sometimes we go out for dinner and talk about an event. So they have become friends. But yeah, periodically, I will reach out to them and say, hey, Zivi, I haven't heard from you in a couple of months. Just wondering if you had any events coming up or remember last year when we did the outdoor picnic, were you going to have that event again this year? Whatever it may be. So sometimes I'm reaching out to them if I feel like it's been a little too long since I've heard from them. More often than not, they're calling me at the beginning of the year and laying out the calendar for me, especially with the casinos, because I have given them the impression that I am. That they are not the only casino. I actually have a third one up north. So they know that they're not the only casino and they know that first come first serve with me. So I have created an environment of scarcity with them. So they're quick to book. So there's been that.
0: What exactly creates the scarcity?
1: Knowing that I am a one woman band. They know I don't have a crew and they know that I don't have crews that I can send to multiple locations which isn't entirely true. So last year for New Year's Eve, for example, I did three casinos for New Year's Eve last year. It was around $20,000 for me. The first one, I've negotiated with her and I set up all of her New Year's Eve decor right after Christmas because their event center is typically empty from Christmas until New Year's Eve. So I set it up the 26th, 27th of December. The second one... I've negotiated to start setting up on the 29th or 30th. They reserved the ballroom for me so I can get everything prepped. And then I install it overnight the 30th to be done by the 31st. The third casino, I actually contracted with one of my competitors, who's a friend of mine. And I did all the prep work ahead of time, delivered it up there in my van. And then I paid her four figures to oversee the installation of it and it was literally her and her mother and then i had another balloon company come in just to make sure that we had a last minute push to that everything could get done and we still got it done 4 hours ahead of time and the customer was blown away because the previous year the balloon company did not get it done in time and they had staff running around trying to finish up for them so a lot of that goes back to what i was saying earlier it's about efficiencies it's about processes It's about open and honest communication with the customer. If they want me, I'm the best balloon company in a two, maybe three county area. If they want me, they're going to have to work with my schedule. It's just the way it is. So not to sound arrogant, but when you've been in the business for 25 years and you've learned to communicate with a lot of confidence and you can show them what the decor is going to look like before you install it, which is, you know, where the clip art thing came from then they will want to do business with you because you're confident you know how to problem solve you're being honest with them you're not telling them oh yeah we can do all that and then fail you're telling them you know you're being honest with them yes we can do that however these are you know situations that i see that could come up these are some problems we need to work through them if you're okay with me being in a lift or a ladder or putting a hook there or whatever so they really appreciate the amount of knowledge and experience I bring to the table. So that's part of that scarcity too, because nobody in the area has as much experience as I do.
0: And specifically for the market of corporate, I think that that level of professionalism is very much a prerequisite. So if you really want to flourish and get rebooked and rebooked, you want to be able to be providing such a level of professionalism. And this is a perfect segue to also talk a little bit about those clip and all the things that you do with them throughout the years, you even added menus to the table and have been using those clip art again and again and again to demonstrate to your customer what he's considering to buying and also to make them make a decision faster. So what are, what is clip art and what is the process of using it as a balloon decorator? Well,
1: let me start from the beginning with that. Early on, when I was in the Seattle market, the whole classic decor thing was still pretty foreign to people. They would call me up and they would ask for balloon decor. And I would ask them if they would be interested in a balloon arch. And they had no idea what that looked like. So I was using the TIFF files, I think they were, the GIF files that Pioneer had produced, that Qualitex had produced. And I'd learned how to color them in using, what was it at the time, Microsoft Paint or something. And so I would create a pearl arch and a garland arch and I would color it in in their colors and I would email it to them. And they were just ecstatic to see, first of all, what a balloon arch was and the fact that I could do it in their colors and I could offer them choices. Do you want a spiral pattern, you know, stripe pattern, whatever. And that put me ahead of, at the time, Red Balloon Company, who was internationally known. Jim Parker has been in the business a very long time, highly respected. And that was this little startup newbies edge that really launched me into doing corporate decor. Then I discovered Publisher. And funny story about Publisher was I did not become proficient with it until I started making it available to other balloon artists. I got into the whole tool set and started discovering things I had no idea were even in there. So that's the case of if you want to become an expert, write a book, right? (laughs) Because then you have to do the research and you get to learn it. So it's become very powerful. I think I started with publisher when I wanted to figure out how to take that balloon arch that I colored in and superimpose it on a photo of the entrance of a building or in a ballroom or something like that so that the customer could see what that arch could look like in their venue. That transformed my business.
0: Tell me, what does that mean? Why is it so important to be able to actually show what we sell as balloon decorators?
1: So if you have, for example, company ABC is having a business meeting and they want to add some color to the room because business meetings are boring. So they pick up the phone, they call you up and they say, yeah, we just want some balloon bouquets in the room. So I'm asking them questions about what's the meeting about, et cetera, et cetera. And they, they're telling me it's you know the sales meeting. We're going to do this, that, and the other thing. And I start suggesting ideas to them, and they have no clue. And so I would ask them to send a picture of the meeting room, or I would go online and find the venue and, and get pictures right off the internet with that, doing a cut and paste there, copy and paste into Publisher. And then I could take the entrance of the room, I could put a couple of balloon columns, I could pull their logo off of their website, stick it on the balloon, and I could send that picture saying, well, this is what your entrance could look like. And then inside the room, I could sketch out a stage, and I could put an arch over the stage, or I could put columns on the stage. Or I could say something like 2019 sales kickoff meeting with the big letters or or whatever it is, whatever their theme was. One year, the theme was driving a car because it was for a a car insurance company. I think it was all state insurance at the time. And so I created a bunch of clip art showing a car road theme for them. It was pretty amazing. And they were blown away that I could do that. They called me up looking for balloon bouquets and I'm selling them decor that reinforced their message, reinforced their theme in their corporate colors with their branding. That's the power of clip art.
0: And this is something that anyone can learn how to do?
1: I have over three dozen free tutorials on YouTube showing you how to do this in publisher. So even if you don't want to pay me necessarily for the clip art, you can create the clip art yourself. It's tedious. It takes a long time. Time is money. But I do show you how to create the clip art from scratch and then how to switch out the foil balloons. I show you how to scale it to a room. I show you how to even put shadowing in there if you want it to to make it look a little more uh, 3D or whatever. So yeah, I've been completely open and honest, very open-handed with the clip art and, and how people can use it to show before they sell and, and to make more money, to be more profitable.
0: And uh, once you have... The clip art. Let's say you want to save time because time, as you said, is money. Plus your clip art is very efficient. It's, it has a, a nice clean look. So let's say you go to your Etsy shop and you buy a few clip arts that are relevant to a gig that you're about to do. And they are very inexpensive, by the way. I just wanted you to know. Thank you. Very uh, affordable. Yes. Yes. And it's a, it's a fair thing to do. What do you do next? Do you need to actually pay microsoft to buy publisher how does that work
1: if you subscribe to microsoft 365 for office or for business or for personal publisher comes bundled with it if you buy office 365 for student publisher is not included in that so for 99 dollars a year you get it you know have all the most current versions of microsoft and you get you know, I don't know a terabyte of cloud space or whatever, and Publisher comes with it and it stays updated. If you don't want to buy Publisher, if you don't want to buy Office three sixty five, you can buy it as a standalone program for I think one hundred nineteen dollars.
0: That's not a lot.
1: No, it's not. It's a lot cheaper than Adobe or Corel Draw or any of those other ones. And I have found for what I do with clip art for balloon mockups, Publisher is much easier to learn. Granted, it's not a graphics tool, but it does everything we need it to do. And and the drawing tools are identical in Word and in Excel and in PowerPoint. So if you know how to create it in Publisher, you can create it in any of the other apps. Unfortunately, the clip art that you create in Publisher, you can't copy and paste it and then manipulate it in the other softwares. Microsoft really dropped the ball on that compatibility.
0: I've heard about people that uses even PowerPoint directly, not PowerPoint, but Pages. I think it's like the the equivalent of PowerPoint in in Mac. And they've Mm -hmm. been able, like Luke Bertrand, I think, had a lecture about that. So there's all sorts of ways, you know, people use Photoshop in some places in the world, but you chose to use Publisher. And that seems to work for you pretty well and to many of your customers, people that are saving time by taking the clip art ready-made from your Etsy shop. And then basically they can superimpose and create what uh, is also known as a mock-up picture where you would see the customer's location or picture, basically, or maybe the picture of the event location in the hall. And you can actually locate in that event location in the picture an arch, a quick link arch or a link alone arch or or an organic design or whatnot. And that way show the customer how it will look like.
1: Right, exactly right. With the publisher clip art too, you can color it in with their color so that they can see. That actually has been very helpful to me many times when they have colors that they can be pretty intense sometimes. And with corporate colors... Sometimes one color needs to be dominant and the other one not. Otherwise, it can look like a carnival. And I would be able to show them, okay, if this color is dominant, this is what it could look like. If that color is dominant, that's what it can look like. And also too, if the, if the venue room is not a neutral color, sometimes changing out the colors can make a, a big difference too.
0: Do you charge money for advising the customer or is it basically something you do as a part of the service?
1: I don't charge them directly. My prices are such that it's covered as part of my overhead.
0: You are the queen, if I may say so. You're the queen of pricing calculation. (laughs) I've been teaching this for quite some time. You really understand the actual job cost form and what goes into the overhead and how important it is to understand your break-even point and so on. And I personally... Really appreciate that type of knowledge and how important it is in our industry because people seem to have a really strong opinion about how much design is worth. For some reason, they just look into your balloons sometimes, especially lay people that just book you for an event and go away. And they, a lot of times, will come and say, uh, give you an opinion. And so, if you are pricing incorrectly, you can easily, easily make a mistake of offering a price that is totally unacceptable. On the flip side of things, many balloon people are losing money. Why are people losing money in this business? Balloons are so cheap. Well, I think there's several
1: reasons why they're losing money. There's a lot of people that don't respect their hourly rate, for example, when I was working for Corporate America, this was back in 1994, so these are $94. I was making, I don't know, $12.5, $13 an hour, which was a good wage back then. And so when I started my balloon work, I thought I could charge $15 an hour. I gave myself a dollar and a half raise, and I could start working. Well, first of all, I wasn't working 40 hours a week anymore. I was working more than 40 hours a week, but I wasn't billing 40 hours a week, Right. And the other thing I forgot about was the, at least in the United States, was that the company I was working for was paying for my health insurance, my dental insurance, my vision insurance, and my copay was, I don't know, 10 $15 a month. It was nothing. So I wasn't counting that. And I also didn't understand that Social Security and Medicare taxes, which I paid seven and a half percent of, they paid the other seven and a half percent. So suddenly that 12 dollars 5 an hour that I was getting, when you added in all the benefits, plus the paid vacation, plus the paid sick leave and everything else was actually closer to $20 an hour. And I think a lot of people, when they have their jobs today, and they're working for $10, $15, $20 an hour, they're not understanding that to replace that income, they're either going to have to be working 78 hours a week, Or they're going to have to start charging $50, $60, $70 an hour. And I think they also lose the sight of the fact that they are now a business owner and there's a lot more risk involved in being in business. If I want to take a week of vacation, not only am I losing that income that I could have been making, but I'm also losing the opportunity to market my business and bring in more work. That's part of the equation. That's part of your direct costs, right? Materials and labor. So the other part of it is the overhead. I don't think a lot of people understand all of the overhead costs. My average overhead each month runs between, you know, twelve and $1,500. That's business insurance, car insurance. I have uh, my cell phone. That's a business cost plus my landline and website expense. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And when you start adding up all of those expenses and then you tack on profit on there, and that profit pays for that fifteen percent self-employment tax, or if you're, you know, an LLC or a corporation or whatever, that that's going to be higher. And that's also the return on your investment, right? It's like when I teach this, I equate it with stock. You own stock. You go out and you buy Microsoft stock. You're expecting a return on your investment. So the money that you've invested in your balloon company. You own 100% of the shares of stock. Are you expecting a 5% return, a 10% return, a 30% return? I mean, you've got all your eggs in one basket here. So I think if people started seriously treating their businesses as businesses, I think we'd see their prices come up and they could make a living at it.
0: Every time I look at the list of the overhead or hear it or talk about it, I remember a few years back, I was sitting in a business course learning how to manage a business and learning those type of things like uh, how to actually monitor your expenses and price and yourself correctly and stuff. And yeah. I was sitting down with tears in my eyes looking <laughs> looking at, at this piece of paper that I was jotting and jotting and writing all of my expenses and adding another expense another expense another expense and understanding that when I decided to become a full-timer, I put my family in risk. I created a huge money-sucking hole in my life that we just called my business. And that became a wake-up moment, really not an easy one, but it made me understand that I need to raise my prices and I need to select my customers very carefully And that I need to be really good and and efficient with my sales, with my marketing efforts. And that is why it's so important for me, people, guys, that you're listening to this, to understand that there is more to balloon business than understanding how to use and manipulate air into latex and make it look pretty. And you may be extremely talented at what you do and very creative. But if you are mispricing and if you can't portrait to the customer what they're getting, then you have a huge risk. And that risk can be mitigated with some clip art and with some knowledge. So I want to wrap up by talking a little bit about education, education around the topic of business, the topic of of pricing. And you have a really really interesting, unique way of talking about it with explaining the differences between left brain and right brain. Give us a little bit of a heads up about the stuff that you do on the educational level.
1: Well, I am in the process of cutting a bunch of educational videos. I chose the brand, the, the name Balloon Brain And the tagline, it's not just balloons, which is creative and right brain, it's also business, which is analytical and left brain. What I've found in this industry is the plethora of right brain, creative education out there, much of it is free, overshadows, it eclipses the necessary left brain learning that that people need to be a successful business. I think a lot of people get into balloon decor as hobbyists and they see the potential to make money and they're clueless about business. And I think a lot of people who are making it in the industry are making it simply because of the sheer volume of work that they're doing. I got into the business because I was an analytical person. Nobody was ever going to lay me off again. And I thrive in the business side of things. It's a nice creative outlet, but it's not why I was in business. So that's why I'm doing the, the balloon brain. Some of the things I'm going to be teaching on, of course, is pricing. And then once you understand your numbers, your revenue, direct cost, overhead, and profit numbers, how to use that formula to figure out, can you afford to get a van? Is it time to you know, upgrade your equipment? Is it time to move out of your home or out of a warehouse? I'll be also talking about target marketing and how to find your clients and how to attract and repel your clients. And just a myriad of subjects. I spend a considerable amount of time in Facebook looking at all the, uh, the questions that people pose out there. And I have answers to a lot of those, but I want, I want to put together answers that are well thought through and present it in such a way that I'm not just spoon feeding it to them. I want to teach them how to think from a business perspective. I want to equip them to be successful. That is my heart in life.
0: I love it, and uh, this is a topic that is, of course, very much aligned with what we do here in Balloon Artist Podcast, but also in Balloon Artist College. So we want to support you and allow people to learn more about what you do. So I will put a link in balloonartistpodcast.com dot com, not just to the Balloon Brain site BalloonBrain com, but also to some special training people uh, that are listening to this can have access to for free. And this is really important that you check it out, try to understand how deep Raquel's knowledge is. She's been already helping hundreds of balloon artists from all over the world with her clip arts and also with her knowledge. You're an admin of a few Facebook groups that are helping balloon decorators as well. And you're also uh, active and generous there. So it's really, it's been a pleasure to have you here on our show, have a few insights and explanation about the process of using CleParts and the process of being professional with your customers. Raquel Porter, thank you so much for being here. And I hope that people check out Balloon Brain and join the live trainings and the video trainings, because um, this is something that can help them very much in their business. Thank you, Zivi. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much. And see you guys next week on Balloon Artist Podcast. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode with Raquel Porter. I sure did. And I think it's really inspiring how uh, someone can not just be good at what they do, but can also help others. And speaking of helping others, we want you to help yourself to a free video on balloonartistpodcast.com there's actually a bonus button you will get access to an entirely free course for season 8 and that free course will keep building itself uh, every week the more we go deeper into this season so right now for this week we're adding actually a webinar by Melissa Scherk, and it's a decor webinar in the topic of patterns on columns. So I think this is really valuable. If you enjoyed today's episode specifically, you're going to really love Melissa Scherk's webinar for balloon decorators. Uh, Just go to balloonartistpodcast.com and sign up on today's episode for the free bonus material. See you guys next week on Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello Balloon Artist Podcast Nation, Zevi Kivi here, this is season 8, episode 2, and I wanted to share with you a story. First of all, kind of to touch base with last week's topic, I had a friend that published a book through a publishing house, and a year later they got the letter with the royalties that are going to get, and it was very disappointing, so they consulted with me What should we do? Should we maybe ask their permission, the permission of the publishing house, to uh, publish the book uh, independently or maybe uh, try to get back the rights for uh, the translation of the book? Or what what else can we do? And I suggested uh, to my friend to be very aware of the agreement. The agreement that they went into when they uh, have decided to publish a book through a publishing house. And that agreement is not something that you can just say, "Oh, I'm not happy about the results of the agreement, so I wanna go out. Once you have an agreement with someone, that agreement is going to be abiding. And removing yourself from that agreement is going to be painful and going to cost you. So instead of that, I suggested to them Meet with the publishing house. Tell them that you're, not, that you're des- disappointed, but also tell them directly that you want to work with them and come up with a plan on how you're going to increase the marketing efforts so that the book will be sold better. Or better. Uh, and this is a lesson, I think, for anyone that goes into an agreement, that you need to put yourself in the other side's shoes. They don't have any reason to cancel an agreement just because one of the sides is not happy with the results. Um, But they will want to work with you so that you will be happy with the results. With that said, a few seasons ago I talked about this metaphor of if you only take one thing to a lonely island for building a business there, then what you should take is confidence. And confidence, indeed, is a huge player in any business and in any offering and what it does, it helps you sell. But recently, I've been uh, noticing how, uh, and this is not new, I've been noticing this for a while now, how really good balloon artists, really professional balloon artists, fail to grow their business. And this is sometimes so painful because you can see the level of their art is actually really good it's definitely above average plus plus, or even it's amazing. And, and still they're struggling to sell their services. And a lot of time I get this compliment that people tell me um, that I know how to sell, that I can sell anything to, to anyone. And sometimes people are not happy about that and they will complain that I am a little bit salesy. Well, you know what? I prefer being a little bit salesy than hungry. And actually, what I do in my businesses, I take everything I do and I manage to package it and bundle it and make it look good and craft an irresistible offer again and again and again for all of my customers. So, at the end result, I have actually multiple six-figure businesses. Think about that, that is something that You don't see a lot. You can go to Facebook and ask for an advice, and someone will give you an advice on sales and how to sell something. And their experience comes from, let's say, running a business that does 50K a year. Well, you know what? It's not exactly the same level of advice that you might get from someone that does over 200K a year. So, my point here is about the importance of you being good at business. Now there's a lot of good, a lot of valid ways of how you can become a better salesman. Just like I have become an amazing salesman. Whether you like it or not, that is going to be the number one reason of why I grow and why you can grow too. The first thing you can do is just Google the Zivi Kiwi gift. Just Google the Zivi Kiwi gift, you'll get, you'll, you'll understand what I mean. That is my gift to you. The second thing you can do is you can sign up for Balloon Artist College. In Balloon Artist College, we do a lot more than just this weekly gift to help you in your marketing and in your sales. So we even do like monthly Q&As specifically on this topic. So you can come in and get help where you're at and get the advice customized to you, what you need. So I want to say again, If I had to go to a lonely island and take one thing, I would take my ability to sell. My ability to think about the process of sales, to understand what is an irresistible offer, to never take no as as a no. Every no can actually become a maybe. Every maybe can become a yes. So if you want to learn more about sales, there's a lot of books that I can recommend of, and I recommend them within the Zivi Kiwi Gifts. Just Google the Zivi Kiwi Gift and you'll understand what I mean. In the meantime, I hope you've enjoyed this riff, and I will see you next week on Balloon Artist Podcasts.